This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Today I speak with Marty Morningway. University of Montana Hall of Fame quarterback and longtime coach in the National Football League. Playing quarterback at a really high level is sort of artistic. And because everybody does it just a little bit differently. During Marty's career, he coached five different Pro Bowl quarterbacks, including Brett Favre, Steve Young, and Donovan McNabb. He won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers in 1997 and served as the head coach for the Detroit Lions in 2001 and 2002. Marty recently launched the Camp Marty Quarterback School podcast, where he speaks with some of the most innovative offensive minds in football. In 2021, Marty retired from coaching and now lives with his family here in Missoula, Montana. Marty, thanks for coming on the show today. Justin, great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So where did you grow up? What did your parents do? Well, my dad was a claims manager for Liberty Mutual Insurance Company for many, many years. So I believe his first job was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were all born in Oklahoma or Texas. We moved to Houston, Texas. Then we moved to Boston, Massachusetts. That's why my accent is all screwed up, uh, (laughs) or I have none. And then it was 1974, I believe, I was uh, going into junior high school. And we moved to San Jose, California, and then that's where everybody still is, and that's where we call home, so the Bay Area. Now, we moved there before it was a Silicon Valley. And so how did University of Montana get on your radar screen? How did you decide to come up here to Missoula? I'll tell you, it's it's a heck of a story, but basically, I, I played on a great team yeah. with great coaches. We turned the program around, won 20-some-odd straight uh, was being recruited by everybody, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Notre Dame. They were all on the sidelines. Well, I'm five foot ten. And then all of a sudden, it got to be about two-thirds of the way through the recruiting season, and the calls kind of stopped. Hmm. And I, so I was waiting on people. I was waiting on Stanford, Oklahoma State, Washington, all these. There were six or eight that I was sort of waiting on. And then another wave came. Nevada, Reno, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin offered me. Santa Clara offered me. Cal Poly. So uh, slightly lower tier school, but still coming after you. Right. And the the service teams. Right. Yep. Came in. And so Montana called one time. I was working at the gas station. Called my high school coach. I said, I'm kind of tired worn out. I have no visits left anyway. I believe back then it was six. I'd already taken six. I turned down Cal. They called early and wanted me to play safety. And there was two or three teams. And I should have handled that differently. But the head coach, the new head coach for the University of Montana Grizz called and said, hey, I know you're waiting on all of these people. I've talked to all of them. I've coached a 5'10 quarterback before. I'm not sure he had, but he told me that. But then he said, go where you're wanted rather than where you want to go, and things tend to work out. I hung the phone up. I said, Dad, let's get a map out and see where this place is. 
My first time seeing Missoula, Montana was flying in the night before training camp started because I had no visits left. My dad made a really good living, but we, we had four kids, my mom and dad, and living in a very, very expensive place. We didn't have the extra money, let's say that. We had everything we needed. And so I flew in the night before it was dark, and you know, for many weeks I didn't even know there was mountains because I was just so entrenched in trying to win a job yeah. for the Grizz. And you won that job starting as a freshman. Uh, that's got to be quite an experience. Come to this place you've never been before, and all of a sudden you're starting quarterback. Well, football's football, right? And I was coached really well. I, I had great coaches here at the university and some great, great teammates. You know, athletics, you have sort of that bond that's almost unbreakable uh, with the team, so, and especially football, because the fellows are putting their bodies sort of on the line for each other. Mm-hmm. And and mo- many of my ex-teammates are still my really good friends. Yeah. And so talk about like that connection to the game, because once your playing career ended, I mean, you went right into coaching. I mean, weren't you, I mean, when you played briefly in the Arena League, weren't you coaching at that point too? Right. I was a graduate assistant and really... The first time I went, I went into the 49ers camp as a camp arm, and I threw drills and so forth. And then when seven-on-seven seven and team started, I was pretty much done. And then post-practice, 100 balls to John Frank, the tight end, or Dwight Clark was coming off of a little scope on his knee, extra there. So my arm was worn out by the time I went back to the University of Texas at El Paso, where I got my master's. I'm very proud of that. I'm not sure I've ever utilized it, but I I acquired that there when I was a graduate assistant coach there. And so I was desperately still trying to play. Okay. And then the next year I went to the Arena League and I went, what a great league this is going to be. It's a great, like a summer job. I'm coaching I can play in the Arena League, and boom, I tore my ACL, and that was the end of my playing days. But what a great experience. I tell the fellows that I've coached, though, you will never beat my percentage in pro ball because I'm three for four. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good lifetime average. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, it was so brief that uh, it's a little misleading, but I don't tell them quite the whole story. I mean, so many chapters in your coaching career, so many years you know, in the, in the NFL and the offensive side. I mean, there, there's a lot of things to talk about, but I'm curious about how you made decisions as to what was the right next job. I mean, because you've worked with a, a variety of super successful head coaches, variety of franchises. How are you navigating career choices to try to get to where you wanted to go? I really didn't. Okay. You know, in the coaching business, the, 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 the football coaching business, my mentality was bust your butt at what you're doing right now. Become the very best at what you're doing right now. I coached every level, mm-hmm. high school, small college, major college, NFL, and then good things happen. If you just bust your butt, become the very best at what you're doing. It doesn't matter what your responsibilities are, become the very best and Good things tend to happen, and that's what happened. Yeah. Talk about you know your approach to that, becoming the very best you could, and, and how you got recognized for doing that. Well, I got recognized because I was fortunate enough to coach some great, great players. Yeah. A couple first ballot Hall of Famers mm-hmm. right off the bat in Brett and Steve, Brett Favre and Steve Young. And 
how different are they both on the field and off? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah and so what a great experience that was. And they're both very good friends to this day still. And, uh, you know, that bond we were talking about. You know, having been a quarterback yourself, was that like a natural fit for your for your coaching is to work with quarterbacks and kind of that one-on-one mentorship role? Well, that's a good point. I always perceive myself, visualize myself as a quarterback, skill position type of coach, coordinating type of coach. However, by the time I think I was 29 years old, I had coached every position on offense. I had coached the line for two years at Missouri. I've coached the tight ends at Missouri. I coached the quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers. So that was a really good experience and having coached every position by the time I was 29, I believe. And a lot of different places. I think your longest place you stayed was in Philly, right? For nine, nine seasons? A decade, 10. Okay. That's a lot of moving around. You, you know, you got a wife and four kids building a family, you know, during that time of life. Like, how are you navigating those steps and, and those transitions? I'll tell you what, it was a heck of a ride. We talk about it on occasion. Our wives are so important. And we discuss, I moved around a lot when I was young. My wife, her dad was in hotel management. So he oh, moved around, they moved around quite a little bit when she was young. So that might have built us just a little bit for the coaching career in the NFL, where we did move around quite a little bit. And we loved every place we lived. My wife has a great mentality. She made every place we lived home for the kids. And look, when the kids started growing up, there's pluses and minuses to moving around, but there's some great pluses, like they need to meet new friends when we move. And that's that's a pretty good social skill to yeah, have. Absolutely. And I think they all have it. And then widespread friends rather than just the friends that you went to kindergarten through 12th grade with. Now there's positives in that as well. But she made every place home for, oh, seven months. You know, coaches just aren't at home much, but I try to get home every night. Not too many times sleep in the office. It did occur on occasion because I really felt... Even if you came home after they were asleep and you were gone before they got up, they knew that dad was home. And so I thought that was important in the coaching profession. Uh, Make sure you get home. And then it was catch up in the off seasons. So I didn't get to see many of their football games. Of course, I got to see it on film, but then I'd get to all the basketball and baseball and my daughter's softball in the spring and all the summer leagues and, and, and all of that. I did tell the kids when they grew up, once they started getting into high school, once you get to your sophomore year, I can't promise anything because we've got to do what's best for the family. But I will try. I'll do everything I can to get you through the the same high school because I think that sophomore to senior year was sort of important. And so uh, we were in Philadelphia, and what a heck of a run. So we were good enough for me to be able to do that. Right. And then I wanted to do that because back to back to back, the kids were going through high school. And only my youngest didn't graduate in Philadelphia. But I would think if you asked him, he would still say he's from Philadelphia. From Philadelphia. He graduated at a high school outside of Baltimore okay. when we were with the Ravens. So no, not too far. I'll tell you what, I miss those times. Because you have to run and gun with the kids 
and keep up with it. And I know I talked to my wife just the other day, and she said she misses those times just a little bit. She couldn't tell you what she did, but she was busy from the time she woke up to the time she went to bed. I mean, that's got to be kind of a unique circumstance. I mean, you come off of the the head coaching opportunity in Detroit and then partner with Andy Reid in Philly. And Andy had such a long career there, and now he's had longevity uh, with the Chiefs. Like, to be able to have the same head coach and that relationship had to be something about that stability that made you stick around. Yeah, well, and part of it was we were doing really well. Right, right. Team was really good. Yeah, and my kids were going through high school, so I was able to stay and then chose to stay. And then Andy and I, there was many, many big influences in my life and my high school quarterback coach, Mike Holmgren, hmm. who ended up being a, a great, great, one of the very best NFL yep. head coaches. He sort of grabbed me when I was 14 and taught me how to play. And then Andy grabbed me. We hired him uh, at the University of Texas, El Paso, as the line coach. And he kind of grabbed me back when I was very young, still trying to play, we talked about, and sort of taught me how to coach. And so our styles are very similar. We I believe I've coached four different places together and probably up near 20 years together. So we're very, very good friends. Our wives are very good friends. So what a big influence Andy has had on me. Indeed. After the break, more with Marty Morningway. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, this is Coulter Nuanas from ESPN Missoula, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm here today with Coach Marty Morningway. Marty, question for you about the quarterback position itself. I mean, here at, the, you know, I, I teach business, and one of the things we're interested in is, you know, in colleges, what are the attributes you can look at in a student that predicts success I read this really interesting Malcolm Gladwell piece years ago about the quarterback position. And and he essentially argued that according to the statistics, like very few metrics have any utility in predicting quarterback success. Yet working with so many incredibly successful quarterbacks, you have to have a sense, I would imagine, of the attributes that maybe unite the class of folks that are successful in that job. Like, What do you think makes for a successful quarterback? Well, first of all, there's not many great ones. So really, you've got to have a certain amount of talent. And what is that? Everybody's talented in different ways. So then the coach has to put that and play directly to that quarterback strength. So that's first, the talent. There's a character situation as well. Okay, Uh, That goes a long, long way, toughness and character. And then you get into the simple accuracy decision-making, timing. And then you couple that with gut instincts, and that's really what separates great quarterbacks from average to poor quarterbacks are the gut instincts. Now, how do you come up with these gut instincts? Well, I really think that much of it's natural, and then much of it is the environment that you grew up in. I really think that that has a huge effect on it. There was, a, I did a study one time, this was many, many years ago, it may have changed, but 
up near two-thirds of all quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, that includes the second-team fella and the third-team player. Mm -hmm. Their dads were either ex-pro players, high school coaches. Why? Because the youngster grew up going to practice with his dad and in the gym with his dad and around really good players that were older than them. And they would uh, talk about it. And, and then, or college coaches, some of the dads were. So that environment is so important. And you think just that, that sort of deep fluency with how the game works is one of those predictors? Well, you're getting into the artistic type of thought process. And I know that playing quarterback at a really high level is sort of artistic. Sure. And because everybody does it just a little bit differently. So as a coach, you have to factor this in and allow them to have some creativity as long as it stays highly productive. Mm -hmm. So let's press on a couple of those attributes you mentioned. You mentioned the gut instinct, which was sort of talked about there, but the character, what are the, you know, the character attributes? Because that's, you know, people on the outside and in the media say all the, you know, say all sorts of things about character and athletes and whatever. But on the inside, there's got to be a different sort of set of things that you, you think about. Well, the quarterback position, I suppose you could debate it, but I know this, that that position is the most important position in all of sports. And in saying that, that quarterback position is sort of the leadership part of your team. In many cases, he's the face of the whole organization for many, many years. So that ethics, the character, it just goes a long way with all players, but especially the quarterback spot. Now, I'll tell you, I've coached in the NFL a long, long time. 99% of the fellows that play in the NFL are great people, great community members, great husbands, great fathers, great people. They help other people. We don't read much about that, but that really occurs with most of the fellows in the NFL. You know, during my time in Philly, you know, Donovan McNabb sort of seemed like that kind of guy. I met him at a few around, a few events around town. You know, the Steve Youngs, the Jeff Garcias. And then you got others, Brett Favre, probably just by virtue of being in the spotlight for so long, you got people throwing character accusations at, at him. But a guy like Michael Vick had his ups and downs with, um, you know, I guess some of the associations he made. And you worked with him. I don't know if it was during that time, but, but talk about your experience with, with Michael Vick. He must have had some of those character attributes, but. Well, Mike Vick and I are very close. In fact, he was on my podcast. He was the lead, the first guest on the CampMartyPodcast.com. Mike Vick, I've got a lot of respect for because he started sort of at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And he made it to the top, the very top of what he was trying to do with the Atlanta Falcons. And then a crash and burn that few people have ever been through. I mean, it was ugly. 18 months in prison. And I got him right then out of the can. Yeah. And then he goes from the bottom again, right back to the top very quickly and has since become a great father. He's a great dad, a husband, a good friend of mine. I know that there's a select few people out there that will never sort of forgive him for what he did. But what about these second and third chances? I know many people would not be where they're out at if there weren't second and third chances. And he took advantage of them and went back to the top. Now he's in the TV and he's done very well 
uh, and he does many things for others. I, I, I really think this, that he has saved more dogs than he harmed. And he did a bad, it was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And now I think he's helped kids, and I think he's really saved dogs' lives to some extent. Uh, so is it a makeup? I don't know. We can get deep into that. But I know this, he has helped kids. He's helped his community. He's helped uh, even the whole country as far as the dog fighting situation. Yeah, I would have to say that 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 quality of resiliency, you know, you have to have it as an athlete. And I would think, I mean, they say it about pitchers, right? You Like you have to have a, a short memory. I would assume quarterbacks have to have a pretty short memory too. Well, all players do. And sometimes it depends on where you play. When we were in Philadelphia, coaches, players, can they hold up to the media scrutiny? And I've seen it chew up coaches and players. So in a place like Philadelphia, New York, where the media is large and they're vicious, you almost have to have that mentality of, we don't care what anybody says or thinks outside of our building. And inside of our building, we care very deeply about what people think and say. Hmm. And then you get that bond, like it's you against the whole world, and you can go far as long as you have that mentality. I got to ask you about some of the challenges facing the game. I mean, you're, 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 you've been out of coaching a little bit here, have maybe had some time to reflect. Thinking about concussion in particular, I mean, you've worked with so many quarterbacks. That's, that's an at-risk position, a targeted position. The issues maybe died down in the media a little bit over the last year or so, but it is a, a challenge to the game in many ways. How do you think about the issue of concussions and other kind of catastrophic injuries that players sustain? Well, first, the health is A, number one. It, 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 it's just that simple, and the doctors have to be in charge of that, period, when okay. something happens on a field. And I think the game of football has made such great advances in the medical deal, most of it is very, very good, like the concussion. We are on top of that now. The NFL is on top of that. And then you go through this concussion protocol if you happen to have received a concussion. And so very, very safe that way, Uh, much more than it was uh, back in the day where you had a little concussion, a little dizzy, and you needed to get back in there even though you weren't thinking properly. So that part, I, I know this, has been outstanding in the past, let's say, 20 years. So I want to make sure, Marty, we get to talk about your new project. You mentioned it before, the Camp Marty podcast. Camp Marty Quarterback School, I think, is the full, the full title of the show. Tell us about this endeavor. I mean, you've had on Mike Vick, as you mentioned. You've had on Steve Young. Tell us about it. Here's what happened. I I had a, a thought where if I did a podcast, it would be two or three things in a story. And within those two or three things, I may talk about an individual-specific player or an individual-specific quarterback or position or anything, offense, defense, special teams, and then maybe a current event, and then an interview or a conversation with a friend of the Camp Marty quarterback school, an mm-hmm. uh, ex-player, an ex-coach, a, a, a player that's playing right now, a, a man that's coaching right now, a, a personnel man. I even want to get some analytic looks onto the podcast. That's very interesting to me. So it's endless. The the And so we have a conversation. And usually is what happens is the story or stories that are told. 
And look, at those stories are a big part of athletics, right? I think oh, players miss those stories. Yep. But the, the stories will come from myself or, or my guest, and I've had fun with it. Camp Marty, podcast.com. Well, final question for you, Marty, is, you know, you chose the University of Montana in Missoula for your college career. Now you've moved back here with your family. Um, why come back to Missoula? What's special about this place for you? Thank you for bringing up my family. Very proud of all my kids. Bobby Cade, my youngest, is playing ball at Carroll College. And then my wife, Lindsay, by gosh, it was probably 20 years ago, we came and visited and, and on the plane ride home. She said, that's where I want to be when you're all said and done. And I'm going, I played the devil's advocate just a little bit. And she goes, no, you don't understand. This isn't about you. This is about me. And that's where I want to be. So we bought a little piece. I'll bet it's been going on 20 years. And then we executed pretty well because our thought was when our youngest, Bobby Cade, got to be like a junior in high school, we'd build a little place on that piece of property. And so we executed that well, and we've home-based, really, from Missoula, Montana for probably more than six years now. Yeah, my wife would spend the off-seasons here. The kids are all young, single, and so they would come for Christmas. Of course, I'd be in a hotel or on the field in some cases during Christmas. And then we would usually get all of the kids back in Montana for about a week in the summer. And the corona kind of kicked that thing out, although I got three here. But this year, we're going to get all four back in, back in the game, back in Montana. In fact, uh, June 26th, the Montana Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to happen June 20th. So we're all going to congregate there, and it's going to be like sort of a family reunion starting in Billings and ending up back in Missoula. Fantastic. Well, we're happy to have you back here. Best of luck with the podcast. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. Just one more question. Uh, if the phone rings, are you answering it? Oh, absolutely. There's some things that I still want to do. In fact, we were talking about this, my wife and I, there's probably been three or four times during our 31-year marriage where my wife has gone, man, that was a heck of a run. And I just said, girl, it's just started. And so we, we talked about that uh, recently. This ride's just starting uh, for us. And so uh, I think if you have that mentality, good things tend to happen anyway. And so thank you for bringing that up. We also do a quarterback school uh, for really the Missoula High School quarterbacks. That's what the emphasis is. And there's others from the state of high school. It's quarterbacks only. They come into the camp. I usually have a guest coach. I had the great Joe Glenn. I've had Mike Vick, among others, come in and and help coach, and it's one day. So we usually meet, go on the field, and it's a bunch of drill work. And then we come in and have lunch, meet, go on the field for some progression and read work. And hopefully they get home and they've got several things that they can work on and work on it really, really hard. And then it may help them this fall become the player that they want to become. Well, your passion for the game is evident. It's been fun uh, learning about you and, and learning about your experiences. Best of luck, Coach. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you having me on. A new angle. <laughs> Thanks, Marty. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, 
a generous gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer. BTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.